0: Welcome back. This is episode number five of the Bolton E-Bikes podcast. My name is Kyle Chittock and I'm your host. So let's get to it with a local customer from Grass Valley, California. All right. So we've got an awesome guest today. We have Sean Huntley from Grass Valley, California. So thank you very much for coming to be on the show, Sean.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: So you have an interesting little folding e-bike, and you've put a lot of miles on it. (laughs) How long have you had the bike? I don't even remember.
1: I got my Quali Sports Volata about the first week of July, and I had reservations about getting a bike. I had gotten in a pretty bad bike accident when I was in Phoenix about 20 years ago, and it dislocated both my shoulders I got a pretty bad concussion out of it and the driver was driving on a expired license uh and it wasn't even the person that owned the car so it just became this mess that the insurance companies never really took care of and part of that was my insurance costs we couldn't afford physical therapy at the time so I never got it I managed to survive that but and get bikes later on, but I was never able to really successfully stay on a bike, like on a religious basis until I got this bike. And the reason why I got the poly sports is because I needed something that I could easily transport, not necessarily right. And so I take a lot of family trips and some of those are like to the east coast to Connecticut sometimes I'm going up to Seattle sometimes I'm going down to the Monterey area or sometimes I need to do work up in Tahoe I need a bike that I can stick in the back of my car and just take or put it on the train so that's what I decided I would get and the result of that was by New Year's, I had traveled over 2,000 miles <laughs> on my bike. That's riding in inclement weather. So I, that was another concern I had was, was this bike going to burn up on me because I was riding? You know, I'll probably never ride in the snow with it. It's just a tiny little bike. I don't think that it's got the tire traction for...
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely not made for no, for snow and things. Nice. Yeah. But you went from having certainly bike riding experience in the past. Yeah.
1: I When I was in Phoenix, I rode with traffic. I was doing 30 to 60 miles a day on my just regular bicycle. It was a Peugeot touring bike probably circa 1970-something. Uh-huh. And I had put a Suntour crankshaft and derailleur set on it. I had hand-built mave rims, and I had a $250 seat on it. It was done yeah. after that accident. Because I literally flipped over the car, and my backpack came down. That's where all my problems happened.
0: Right. So basically you went from riding a whole bunch on a regular bike, got in an accident, and then you stopped riding for quite a few years.
1: Yeah. I mean I had bikes in between there. Like when I after Phoenix, I went up to Alaska and worked for a summer up there and had a bike up there that I rode. Unfortunately, even the sealed bearing crankshaft was no guarantee that I wouldn't pop bearings on a glacier-silt-packed road, which is what you get in the Cordova, Alaska area. (laughs) Because there's like 17 glaciers in a 100-mile, kind of like a 40-degree window. There's a road that leads from Cordova out to what they call the Million Dollar Ridge. And you pass... Seventeen glaciers on that road. That sounds cold. I don't think I want to ride there. They have their own <laughs> micro system, and, and you're far enough south that you their winter is not like the winter in Fairbanks. You're a couple hundred miles from Juneau. You're you're not that far from Valdez. It's right off of Prince William Sound. It, wildlife there, like the bears, they don't hibernate. They kind of forage all year round so they're big but they're not angry bears are something <laughs> that happened in springtime after they come out of hibernation and i won't go into the details <laughs> well we
0: are in grass valley right now and i have to admit that even right outside the shop where we are riding my e-bike to work up here i have come across a bear run across the road in front of me one day so yeah
1: you know. they're different The the <laughs> The black bears around here are are much smaller than the brown like bears sure. in, in Alaska. And, you know, it's really the ones that hibernate that you have to worry about. Because when you've got a constant food source, you're not going through and up and down in terms of wanting food and energy and stuff like that. They're more congenial. <laughs> I'm not saying that they won't tear up your car. If you run into them, but you know, I got to see how big a paw print is. (laughs) Yeah. They're they're pretty big.
0: So you've been doing a fair amount of traveling around. You mentioned it, visiting family or different things. Yeah. Where have you taken your little electric folding bike so far?
1: Up to South Lake Tahoe twice to Sacramento four times up to Seattle on the train and that sounded like it was a pretty big adventure, that one. That sounded like fun. It was. That was um, for Thanksgiving, and I rode every single day that I was up there, except for the day that I came back. And, of course, it was Seattle, so was it raining <laughs> then? It was cold. <laughs> cold. It was like they expected it to snow, and it just didn't. Gotcha. That, it was that cold.
0: <laughs> it was cold and probably a little bit damp and wet and... Maybe not, in my opinion, the most fun bike riding weather, but if you're dressed for it, then any weather yeah, can be I, bike riding weather, in theory. <laughs> but you certainly have ridden that bike in the rain, it sounds like.
1: Yes, um,
0: I, I have. Probably grateful for those fenders that are on there. Yeah.
1: I've also ridden it to the point where I had no battery for pedal assist, and I was just had the computer on for the odometer. Uh-huh. That was a forty-mile trip, and eight miles of that was just <laughs> me pedaling along. Yeah.
0: So you've got the the Quali Sports folding bike. It's a thirty-six volt, seven point something amp hour battery. Yeah. Uh, it's relatively small as far as e bike batteries go, yeah. but it makes the bike very portable, very light. Yeah. I bet a lot of people are curious about. They're probably thinking, oh, that battery's so small; you're only going to get ten
1: miles. But how far do you normally go on a ride? Well, okay, so in a day, I might take three rides, two rides, or one ride. I mean, it's some days I don't ride at all. I've got, you know, I'm a normal person. I've got lawns to mow. I got to hang out <laughs> with, with my dad. It. Yeah, I'm typical for taking about a ten to fifteen mile bike ride in the morning, coming back and charging up the bike and just doing my errands like in the afternoon. So that could mean that I'm going to the store or it could mean that I'm driving, riding all the way over to grass Valley and then going over to Nevada city in a day. I could ride anywhere from 15 to 20 or 30 miles. Okay. Sometimes I pull the bike off of being charged completely because I've got to get home or yeah, you got somewhere to go and you got somewhere to go.
0: All right. It's got enough of a charge. Yeah. I feel like some people think about e-bikes as in like, Oh, you ride it till the battery's dead. Then you charge it till it's full again. Then you go ride it till it's dead another day. But you do more of a, Oh, I'll charge it a little bit and then go ride some more. And and Uh, you're kind of using it on and off on occasion.
1: more, Likely to charge it as completely as I can, (laughs) as opposed to just going into, you know, charging it as much as I have to. Mm -hmm. I try to plan my, wherever my business is going to be. If I know I'm going to charge up there, I'm more likely to do as much of my business so that I can get a full charge off of it. Do you bring your charger yes. with you
0: everywhere you go? Yes,
1: I do. For a while, I didn't because I had an experience where I don't think it attached the box charger correctly and it fell off of whatever surface it was on. It cracked the housing. Uh oh. Well, that was a long time ago. So <laughs> I quickly got that fixed. And, you know, I don't do that anymore. I, I have a bagging system now where I take a couple of plastic bags and I just have the charges sitting on the seat and I pull the whole bag over and it it doesn't cause it to fall or anything like that. It kind of protects the whole thing. It charges. It's underneath the knee, but it gets water. So if I got a plastic bag over it, it's not getting any water whatsoever. Now, a question for you, just
0: thinking of things and how people are using e-bikes and people they run across – when you take your charger places with you, yeah. have you stopped at local businesses and found places to plug your bike in on occasion? Yes, roundabout? I have. And and uh, are people, do you just ask, hey, can I plug my bike in? And what do people say?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, most of the time, um, they're pretty cool about it. I've only had a couple times when I got the evil eye and said, get the <laughs> f- out. And yeah, I actually had some guy like, Cussed me out. Oh, well, that's. that's it was. Sad. Uh, no, actually, I, I had to laugh. I really did. I mean, I just thought the whole thing was hilarious because I was in Sacramento and uh, there were these, this couple were asking me about my bike and everything. And we were both going into the same spot, right? So it was like a tap house or something like that and down in the Roseville area. I'm not going to mention the guy's name. Or or the business. Whatever Uh, business you are, you're safe. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I I go in there and I was like, hey, um, I see you got outlets in the front. I I just want to charge my bike a little while I was going to come in and order some food and beer and stuff like that. He goes, absolutely not. No, get out. Those outlets are for us. And I'm like, are you the manager? He goes, yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll just never come back. (laughs)
0: You know, it's funny yeah.
1: because uh,
0: e-bikes only take a I know. standard 110 outlet. I know. They take hardly any power. I mean, to charge up your bike probably costs five cents, yeah if that. Uh, so I feel like for a business, they should be like, oh, you're going to come in and spend money? Feel free to plug your bike in <laughs> outside. And I've definitely had some thoughts on that in the past about how do we get more e-bike, bicycle-friendly stores and locations to go to
1: i think around here we've got such a mix in terms of the type of people that live in the grass valley nevada city area there's a lot of hippies there's a lot of retired folks that are republicans so you've got this dichotomy <laughs> going very on diverse right? yeah very diverse okay but throughout that people have learned how to have to find kind of i guess you want to say release people have managed to make it work i mean you've got a whole wide range of businesses mostly a lot of restaurants and you know like i've taken my bike to Old republic and they've had absolutely no problem letting me charge my bike up
0: yeah and for those that don't know what
1: old republic is brewery (laughs) brewery in nevada city Um, places to ride to for you yeah,
0: um, yeah. I think I've even this was charged an,
1: up at Briar Patch.
0: So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of like uh, the best way to describe it for everybody listening who's not familiar with Grass Valley. Sean can can agree with me or come up with another name, but I feel like Briar Patch is known as like the hippie grocery store. Is that eh, how you describe it? Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a co- corporate hippie. <laughs> it's a uh, yes, corporate
0: hippie grocery store. That's yeah. that's a better way to say it because
1: it's yeah, a true hippie grocery store would be <laughs> Kelly <Organics> or or <laughs> which know. is
0: next, which is down yeah. the street. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's it's interesting though. I had this idea a couple years ago, and, and I don't know anything about app developing. And maybe somebody will hear this and they'll make it because I don't have time to do it. I feel like you know there should be an app. There's one called PlugShare that's for electric cars, and you can find all the places you can plug in. And I feel like there needs to be one like that, but catered towards e-bikes that's like, hey, here's all of the businesses that welcome you to come on your e-bike. They have outlets for you to plug in if you want to charge up while you shop. And not only that, but they have a safe, dedicated area for you to park your e-bike. Yeah, Because I think that's an even bigger concern than the charging aspect is, can you go to a store and leave your bike somewhere where it's still going to be there when you're done? Yeah. And and you've got a little small folding bike. So when you go to a store, are you... Concerned?
1: Oh, most definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, in fact, that, that has been sitting in the back of my mind for a long time now is... Uh, the idea of maybe taking my money and making a little company where I develop security tools and charging tools for electric bikes. Uh Uh-huh. I think security is a big one. Yeah, I'm a firm believer that you should have a camera on your bike that not only records, you know, if you want to make fun videos of you riding your bike, but for security reasons... I want somebody to know who that person is that hit me or who the oh, person yeah. is For accidents. That, that gets all aggro on me or because I've had that. I've had people that pulled a UE and come after me and it's not very much fun. You know, yeah. so anybody
0: not, who makes cameras, if you're listening, <laughs> basically uh, I I'm thinking of raspberry Pi. For those that are big uh, Mark Rober fans on YouTube, he's yeah. got a big YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> you're laughing. You've probably seen his videos where he yeah. sets off the glitter bomb. And yes. It, yeah. but, but the thing he did is the camera is not only recording, but it's uploading yeah. while it's recording. So that footage is available yeah. even if the phone gets stolen. And I feel like, well, that would be an awesome thing to see for e-bikes one day as a camera. Yeah, they can record your rides. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's just for security, but you're recording the the thief who's stealing your bike as they're stealing it. But yeah. you get that footage back, even if the bike gets stolen, and then you have something to turn into the police or who knows what. Or at least you can just pass it around e bike forums and things online, and and maybe there's a chance of recovery because I have seen yeah. quite a few people who have been successful getting their bikes back because they just start posting online pictures and different things and saying, hey, my bike got stolen. Here's what color it is. Here's what brand it is. And sometimes it pops up.
1: Before I moved back down here. So I grew up in this area. I was born in 64. My parents lived in La Marica, which anybody that doesn't know this area, that's a small community, very small community, a gold rush community, actually just about 30 miles from here, I think. Uh Uh-huh. 30-minute drive. Yeah, not Uh, not too terribly uh, far, but... On the way to Marysville. I moved up to Seattle for a number of years. And when I was up there, I met several people, a lot of people. There's so many bike riders up there. It's not even funny. The the, the amount of infrastructure that they got for bike riding up there is insane. And it's really cool. I mean, you've got the world's... The nation's largest ferry system is in Seattle. There's like 20 plus ferries and the San Juan Island is perfect. You you can roll your bike onto the ferries. You can go wherever you want. But anyway, when I was up there, I met a girl who actually she had been, I think she was interviewed on NPR and she had on that interview. She talked about how she went on to Craigslist and bought a bike, and the seller of that bike came and stole it back from her, <laughs> and they oh, found man. him in Portland, Oregon. So I mean, she, this is a girl that's from Seattle, yeah, and they and they found it that far away. They found it that well. He's from Portland. Okay, so. They see like the police interviewed him. They they didn't really do anything about it, and they didn't really search like all the places he could have a bike. And it took like all these other people doing all this work, essentially doing the police's work for them, <laughs> and to find it. To find it. And it, but she eventually got her bike back. But the amount of money that she had to spend for that. It's really unfortunate, you know, it's people think it's just a bike and it isn't. It really isn't just a bike because it's your mode of transportation. If you're a heavy bike rider and somebody steals that bike, you can't believe the amount of disruption that has in a person's life. I, you know, I'm talking generally speaking, you know, there's obviously going to be people out there that have, oh, well, my bike got stolen call an uber go home get the car you know <laughs> yeah that but whatever. i think
0: i think you're right most people will be somewhat devastated like well you first you feel a little bit violated yeah somebody took your your thing yeah your bike whatever it is but then it's like well that was my bike i had it set up the way i wanted it because usually yeah. people customize things slightly oh oh yeah and and then it's like oh well now do i go spend money and buy another one and try and replace it and electric bikes obviously aren't cheap no uh, you know it's a it's a decent investment most people are expecting they're going to have it for quite a few years and i think they should be able to have it for quite a few years before it it wears out or it breaks or you know and and you can always hopefully be able to fix them but yeah i think theft is one of those things we got to be aware of and just be as prepared as we can for it so when you go to a store now do you Lock it up. Do you take it inside with you? No,
1: I have a kryptonite U lock for it. Okay, and then I've got a, a cable lock that's lost somewhere inside my office right now. <laughs> but
0: you have it somewhere. Yeah, but you have something and you lock it up. and Yeah, I do. And I assume you probably just try not to leave it out of your sight for too long, right? Uh, which is kind of the best practice. My, I, I may be a little bit different than than average because I don't carry a lock when I ride my bike. You Philistine. But, there's, there's a but, and I, and I want to make a YouTube video about this, because sometimes when I tell people, they're like, you do what? You Really? People are okay with that? And you're probably wondering, what do you do? And I don't worry about bike theft at all, because I just don't leave the bike out of my sight, but I do go into stores. And I just take the bike with me. (laughs) If I go to a grocery store, as long as my bike is not super muddy and gross, because that wouldn't be very polite, I don't feel like, so don't do that. But as long as my bike is clean, I will just roll my bike through the grocery store and I'll just walk it up and down the aisles. I won't ride it through the store. I don't think that's a good idea. Please don't do that if you're listening. But I will just actually walk it through the store, especially if you've got saddlebags on it. Everybody says you should be bringing your own bags to the grocery store. Well, perfect. Here are my bags. They're attached to my bike. You can load up your groceries, take it through the uh, 10 items or less or the self-checkout, and...
1: Yeah, but I just Kyle, took my cart through seen, the store. I've seen <laughs> your my bicycle. bike your bike is twice as long as mine <laughs> and has got fat tires
0: on it. And, <laughs> and for those that can't picture this, yes, my my personal bike right now is a mid-drive thousand watt. It has 100 millimeter wide rims, which for a fat bike is kind of one of the wider ones you can get. And it has like these this lime green frame. And it even has, like, these matching lime green tires. So imagine these massive tires that are just green and green frame. The bike is huge. It's got purple brakes on it, and it's just, it's kind of wild, and that's kind of on purpose because I just like my bikes to be different. But here's the thing. I go through a grocery store with that crazy-looking bike, and I've never had anyone say a word. Really? Really? So I kind of feel like,
1: why? Wait, <laughs> why don't we just wait, do that? <laughs> well, you should go down to that place in Roseville so, and give that guy some grief. Oh yeah, like, I haven't yeah. tried it there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Might have to try Sacramento. But around here, that's been perfectly acceptable. I've never had anyone complain or say a word about it.
1: Wow! And I've never tried. I think you you should try.
0: So the reason I I bring that up and I want to do a video because I feel like I tell people that and they're like, do you really do that? And I want to just put my GoPro on the front of the bike and just walk my bicycle through the store Yeah, and and just show people. And sometimes if it's a small store, if there's enough room or it just depends on the store, like I might bring it in through like the front door and then I just park it inside the store right by the front door somewhere. So at least it's in my line of sight while I'm doing my shopping. Yeah. And then I go back to it. And then it's like, oh, like, it would be pretty bold of somebody to try and, like, run over and steal my bike when I can see it. And I just, thankfully, Grass Valley is a smaller, quieter town where I think the risk of theft is much lower than other areas. Because there might be some other areas where that may not work so well, but... But, yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've just stopped at the grocery store and I just walk the bike around through the store and buy what I need and and then hop on my bike, go on my way. If I got a backpack on, if I don't have a bike with a rack, just use that as my grocery bag and, and off we go. And everybody's happy. And I don't get my bike stolen. <laughs> so we all learn something new.
1: I made a bike lock when I was in Phoenix. And I had gotten a hold of a reel of avionics cable that they use for operating aerolons and stuff like that. Okay. It was, uh, some guy was clearing out his shop and he just wasn't going to be using anywhere. And he knew he could sell it, but it was like an odd size and it was just like remnant type stuff. And did you make a, well, I, what I did is I took, I went to a metals a guy that worked on bikes and I got, Uh, seat stock that was slightly bigger than mine and I put a hinge on it and clasped it onto my bike and then I took that cable and I ran out several feet of it and attached it to a 300 pound weight. (laughs) That makes it a little hard to take away. Yeah so uh, I put enough length on it so that somebody could get like a a walking rolling start with it, but then we come to a a stop. Yeah. If if anybody's into bikes, I think they've seen some of those uh, videos
0: online (laughs) where people try and set up traps for bike thieves. It's not very nice, but I I I think it's a good lesson for bike thieves. Babe. Yeah. Don't steal bikes. It's not
1: nice. Yeah. And then I modified it so that you can even do that. I just, after a while, I just got to a point where the same guy kept trying to steal the, my bike. I lived in a not so nice part of Phoenix for seven years. So I ended up just making a clasp that attached the 300 pound weight and attached it to the back wheel, and nobody tried to steal it after that. <laughs> well, good. But it was just at home. Yeah. And I, you know, like I had a heavy duty lock, I had three of them at work. I always had to arrive about half an hour early to work because I had to lock the bike up multiple ways that you just, that was just in a public spot. (laughs) I'm sorry. This was, you know, like North Phoenix where it was a night, one of those nicer malls. Yeah. And I came out one day and somebody cut one lock, but I didn't get the other. Yeah. You just reminded me of something. If you look at the tools that you have to carry, to cut a lock?
0: Yeah, if you a, have the right...
1: A lock. Now, imagine the tools you have to carry to cut two locks you're or gonna three have locks. Two or three different
0: types of tools.
1: Yeah, and those aren't easy tools just to wander around Phoenix with. Right. You reminded me of a couple of things. One is you're, you
0: have a very good point there. If you use, say, a cable lock and a U-lock, or, or use a couple different types of bike locks then, yeah, the thieves have to carry more tools to cut off your lock. So you're a little yeah. bit better protected. Or, as we always say, since you we were talking about bears earlier, if you're outrunning a bear, you don't have to outrun the bear, right? You just have to outrun your friend
1: who's getting chased by the bear, too.
0: <laughs> what? Uh, the same, well,
1: that's where you carry the same. bear attractant and, and you shoot your friend with it. And, don't do no. that.
0: No. Uh, but basically, if your bike is locked up better than the next guy's bike... They're gonna steal the easier one. So yeah. if your bike isn't locked up very well, well, sorry, you might be out of luck. Yeah. But the other thing I just thought of, since you mentioned being at home before we, we wrap this up, is that I heard a story it was a year or two ago, and I think people should pay attention to this, about bike thieves who were watching people on Strava and other online biking apps.
1: Oh, I've
0: heard and they were kind of trying this. to see where people were riding on a regular basis to figure out where they lived and then they would know where their bicycle was so then they can kind of scout out the areas and scout out houses and locations where to steal bikes from yeah so that's something to be aware of if you use one of those apps for tracking your rides don't start and stop them from your house or don't post them publicly (laughs) because you're telling people i have a bicycle And some people will even put like a name for their bike or the type of bike they ride. So it might be like, "Oh, I have this really nice bicycle. I just told you how fast I went and where I keep it every day. Where you keep it every day? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But Um, you
1: know the, uh, you know somebody in this day and age that there's a lot of people that have home security systems and everything. So if you're a thief looking at using Stravia or one of those apps to steal, you have no idea what you're walking into. Yeah,
0: there you be know, be a really, big, mean dog on the other yeah, side of that garage door.
1: A, you know, you could be walking into a situation where you might finally come face-to-face with law enforcement or something like that. Because, <laughs> right? you know, you could
0: have... Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's get law enforcement on e-bikes and get them to post their Strava rides every day. Yeah. So they... <laughs> Hopefully, I think people don't worry too much about the theft part of things, and they just get out on their bikes and have fun. I feel like, yeah, there's a risk of that, but when it comes down to it, is it worth not getting an e-bike and riding?
1: No. I I mean, it's (laughs) yeah, you want to protect your bike in such a way that you can still enjoy it and keep it safe.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Bolton e-bikes podcast. That was episode number five with Sean Huntley from Grass Valley, California. Now, if you want to learn more about e-bikes in particular, please make sure to go to my website, boltonebikes.com. Now, if you just want to get notified when new podcast episodes come out, make sure to go to ebikepodcast.com. Once again, that's ebikepodcast.com. If you do, you will also get an email that shows you how to enter to win your own free electric bike. So make sure to do that, please, ebikepodcast.com. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you again soon.